very good. That, that's like a, that explains what Mike just said. <laughs> very good. Here's my candidate. Uh, the covenants truly structure scripture. Indeed, without understanding the covenants, one will inevitably fail to understand much of the scripture. I actually stole that from somebody else, so <laughs> Google. What is a covenant? Thank you. <laughs> uh, here's some examples, you know, and the book goes through these in detail. We're all the way down here to David. So we're, we're starting to see an actual, the kingdom is coming. Actual king, actual kingdom. Of course, it's a just a shadow or prefigurement of the eschatological kingdom that we're going to have. Um, but it's a big deal, but, you know, stepping from Moses to David. Um, here's how the outline, the, the chapter structure, four parts. Uh, we'll, my lesson this morning is structured the same way. I just stole his outline and uh, summarize the sections. <clears throat> so the first thing we ought to do really is read 2 Samuel 7. This is where the Davidic covenant comes from. And I think we should split it into two pieces and have two readers because it's, it's a whole chapter. And we, so we need readers with loud voices. And I will pick one if you don't volunteer. I'll pick two. Matthew, thank you, <laughs> and Mike. So just you, you read to the, uh, the obvious break, and then... Yeah, so just read the first half yeah, or so. Shall build a house for my name, and I will establish. 
Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Um, so this first section is divided into four subsections. And the first thing our author notes is the uh, historical occasion of this covenant. David has taken Jerusalem. David has moved the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And David, rather, God has given David rest from all his enemies. All that comes out of what we just read. Uh, so that's historical context. Uh, and the essence of the covenant concept, according to our author, is what I'd call withness. God is with his people. He has been with them. Now he's going to be even more with them in a permanent place. Um, and we note in this passage the connection the author, that is the author of Kings, draws between uh, David's line and Jerusalem, the place and the, the family, the dynasty. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and the connection between David's son and God's son. Um, God says, you will be my son. Your son will be my son. And this is a big deal. You know, obviously Christ is God's son in a, in a much more fundamental way. Um, but when Jesus claimed to be the son of God, this would be the first thing that would pop into people's minds. You know, the, uh, you're claiming David's throne, basically. And David's throne is God's throne. The, the king of Israel is a co-regent with God, or sort of, 
I mean, obviously, there's, they're not the same, but, but God has elevated a man to, uh, to rule over his people. Next, distinctive questions related to the Davidic covenant. Uh, the king is a covenant mediator. Uh, that's what a king is. He, he represents God to the people and the people to God. Um, and as God's son, the king shares the throne with God. We already touched on that. Uh, Josiah and Zedekiah are good examples. Of, these are kings who actually tried to fulfill this role and succeeded to some extent. Uh, and of course, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment. Pivotal promises in the Davidic covenant. The line of David will be preserved and Jerusalem will be preserved. And of course, we know that these were hedged about with uh, conditions, which we'll look at in a minute. Is the Davidic covenant conditional or unconditional? Yes. Uh, there are conditional elements in it that uh, outcomes depend on the faithfulness of David's sons. And, uh, you know, they'll be disciplined with the, the rod of men if they disobey. And, but um, there are also unconditional elements to it. You know, God is going to bless his people one way or the other. And that's just going to happen. Uh, how did that work out in history? This is the bulk of the uh, chapter, and it's quite bulky. It, uh, and we're just going to glide right over it. Uh, we've already read Second Samuel 7, um, but th there are a couple, well, three more passages that are what our author calls foundational. David charges Solomon to keep the covenant. That's obviously the end of David's life. <clears throat> Solomon consecrates the temple, and then God renews covenant with Solomon. And, you know, God appears to him and updates the covenant, so to speak, specifically with Solomon. Uh, and then the bulk of the chapter is these concrete instances through the rest of the books of Kings, First and Second Kings, where the, uh, the covenant or the promises are applied, you know, worked out, and they follow up. Uh, well, there are 20-something instances that our author, our author picks up and you know, gives maybe half a page to each one. Skip that. <laughs> but they, they follow a pattern. Uh, they're, they're, each one shows something from uh, the word, the promise that's preceded it, the, what our author calls particularization, and then shows it working out in history. You know, this is what happened. And then he follows it with a formula. Uh, this happened according to the word of Yahweh. And so this happens 20-something times at least in, in the books of Kings. Um, this whole chapter is kind of a commentary on the books of Kings. It's one way to look at it. Um, and finally, we have the summary statement regarding all of these things. Um, because of their failure to keep God's covenant, they must be cast out of the land. Remember, there, there was that 
contingent aspect of the covenant, the conditional aspect, and it depended on faithfulness, and Israel was not just unfaithful, they were anti-faithful. Um, at least at some points in their history, they were trying to provoke God, is the way God put it. Finally, we get to the conclusion of the chapter, uh, and there are four items here. Uh, God's word of prophecy determines the future, not just predicts it. You know, when when God gives, when God speaks, he creates the universe, you know, all of creation. And so his word is not a mere foretelling. He does foretell, but it's actually creating the thing it foretells. Uh, God's word comes to us embodied in words. That seems obvious, doesn't it? But he brings it out. Uh, and the books of Kings really emphasize that God is just in the way he administers his promises. You know, the fact that he calls Israel to account is, is a good thing. Uh, and Kings also emphasizes that David's line persists. It, it doesn't persist forever because, I mean, the, the kingdom, the dynasty lasts about 400 years from, from David till the deportation. But that's a long time in terms of dynasties, very long, much longer than anything that ever happened in uh, the northern kingdom or is Egypt or anything else. Uh, and of course, it's fulfilled eschatologically in Christ. Uh, so it's not like the promise has failed. Um, so to summarize, these are the four sections of our chapter. And that is, if you want these notes. <laughs> And thank you very much. <laughs> uh, of course, we'll entertain questions or uh, comments or Kathy. Anyone want to address that? The con me? <laughs> what do I know? So, if I remember correctly, when Samuel's telling the people, you know, don't have a king because he'll tax you to pieces and take your children and whatnot, um, he also says, when you have a king, you know, he should not do all these things. So, even the command to not do it contains instructions for what to do, if I remember correctly. Uh, that includes instructions for a few months before. Ah, long before. Well before uh, Samuel. Right.
questions? You know, I mentioned earlier that Dave Babbitt gave me a hand, you know, inspired me with uh, making a slideshow himself. Um, so we have plenty of time. We could just do that too. <laughs> if I can figure out how to display it. Close enough. Down. Lower right. That thing? That thing. Oh, okay. I, I, They wanted to not be so weird, like a teenager at high school. That's exactly, yeah. And they wanted to be set back with the other nations. <laughs> Ended up pretty squalid, you know that. that. <laughs> so we have we're stacked like five deep now. <laughs> So as a reform person, I, I think, why did God subject them to all this angst and trouble when he could have just, you know, saved himself a lot of trouble? Um, David.
clearly God has purposes that we don't understand, uh, and that's a good thing. If we did understand him, that would suggest he was a false god. I think that's. I think you're onto something there. That God is using these stories to reveal Himself. Uh, he uses wicked people uh, to for His own ends, obviously. But one of the ways it works is it educates you know future generations to um, understand Him better. We you know we might have had the idea that if we tried hard enough, we could keep the law. Um, and all of this should convince us that's not possible. John? Thank you. Let's see what else Dave did. I really like the art, Dave. This is really good. <laughs> is that legible? Can y'all? Shall I read it? That's where I got all my stuff to. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go. This is the first time I've used PowerPoint in like 20 years. I like it. It's pretty cool. The way. Okay, we don't want to stop and read all these. But they're really nice, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> no, I just absorb the... the <laughs> okay. Ask Dave. Uh, 
That is kind of a cool image. My strategy would be wipe it out and start over. <laughs> Earth 2.0. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry, the covenant of which? It's, I haven't seen it. Do you know what he's talking about? Me neither. <laughs> Sorry.
Would anyone else like to speak before we wrap up? Right, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for loving us and making us yours. Thank you for the long, arduous path you lead creation through, that you lead us individually through. God, we, we know that you know what you're doing, that you do all things well. And we just pray that you have your way, Father, that you make, uh, make us obey your precepts, Father. Make, just establish your word on the earth. Thanks, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.